Welcome back to Comics Over Time, where we shine a spotlight on classic comic stories and the TV shows or big screen blockbusters they inspired. We'll look to connect the dots from the comic book panels to the moving pictures, examining where the adaptations followed the comics closely and where they decided to go their own way. And when we're done, we'll try and answer that most important of questions, who told the tale best? My name is Dwayne, and with me again this week, as always, my good buddy Dan. Dan, how's it going? Really going well. Looking forward to this. It's been uh, a long time coming that we get to some of these, but we're going to talk today about one of my favorite new characters and somebody who a lot of people have been interested in lately. We're going to start looking at the Miles Morales sort of initial uh, origin books from the Ultimate Universe from a few years ago in preparation for discussion on those Across the Spider-Verse movies. So Across and Into. Yes, yes. Those blockbuster movies. And in fact, I just saw a tweet today saying that Across the Spider-Verse has now become one of the biggest grossing movies in Sony Films history uh, with over $560 million, uh, which is fantastic, I, I would I would think, from a... From a uh, comic book movie or any movie sort of standpoint, it seems like these days. It's nice to see quality rewarded sometimes. Yes. Yes, exactly. So yes, we've got a, a jam-packed episode where we get uh, an introduction into Miles Morales. But first, we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about some comic book news. And strangely enough, there's some news about Miles Morales in in like his current comic. And in fact... Marvel just gave Miles Morales his own Iron Spider armor. So Miles Morales in his the current run, Miles Morales Spider-Man number seven, has been uh, fighting for his life against uh, Carnage. And the Web Slayer got a handy upgrade that should help him take down the villain once for all. Miles finds himself temporarily aligned with a villainous cabal in an attempt to take down a par the powerful symbiont iron man hybrid uh as spider-man heck has found itself in a prominent position during this run from cody ziggler and federico vincentini it only makes sense that miles gets his hands on some nanotech for himself and uh if you go to the article you could see the reveal from the end of this this uh issue now it is black and it's got it, it just looks fabulous and uh we've seen we've seen uh kind of the iron spider outfit before for for peter parker but now miles gets a gets a set of armor himself dan what do you think of this so i am on record that i like spider-man just being spider-man rather than being sure, iron man sure, plus sure, spider-man sure. But yeah, I took a look. It looks really cool. So they've they've found some neat ways to sort of make what in the past we'd almost call like there was an amalgam universe for a while where they took DC and Marvel characters and mash, mashed them together. It seems like Marvel's just doing this to its own characters a lot now where it'll take, you know, Deadpool and Iron Man and throw them together and you've got Deadpool Iron Man or whatever. So it's it's kind of interesting, but should be fun interesting story yeah i i really liked there was a a quote from vincentini in this article saying 
Uh, it's fantastic to work on this new character. I was given total freedom of creation based on Cody's description and his notes. I had a clear idea on how I wanted to portray the armor. It had to be something rough, but resistant and ingenious at the same time. Brace yourself, Miles. This, this, it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. The original regular Spider-Man, fantastic, but I love when they do stuff like this every once in a while to to kind of kick things up just another notch. There you go. Pretty cool. All right. We would normally now shift to talking about what's being released on Marvel Unlimited this week. However, the website appears to be broken again, so there are no listings for new books coming out the week of July 2nd through the 8th or yeah through the eighth so nor any time after that so yep. presumably there's some sort of database error or somebody hasn't loaded the information correctly or something and uh we'll have to w- wait until next week and hopefully we'll have some books to share with you uh that you can find in marvel this is like the, at least the second or third time this has happened since we've started yes. doing these and we've only been doing yes. this for a couple months so it's at least yes. one out of every four times or something, it's broken. So someone should definitely get on there. You're talking to two guys who've been running websites for God knows how many years. Yes. Would would someone bother you if your if your website just stopped serving data? Wouldn't someone mention this and maybe you'd fix it before you went home? So, yeah. Usually, yeah, usually. I will. I will note on the actual like uh, hard copy version. Uh, Captain America seven fifty is being released this this week. Mm-hmm. Seems rather poetic that that would happen right around the fourth of July weekend week. So the cover has Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson on the cover, which is yes. I mean, mm-hmm. and there's like a whole whole stream of of. Uh, writers and artists on the on the in the upper corner as well so there is looks like a lot of effort went into this title so this might be something if you're at your local comic book store this might be something to check out very cool dan do you have a recommendation for us for this week so kind of a more general recommendation last time and i'm thinking the same thing again and that is that if you are into comics and especially into sort of like looking at some of the the books with newer creators or some sometimes some more interesting potentially less broadly commercial ideas kickstarter is a place where there are a lot of folks out making attempts at at getting comics published sometimes it's bigger creators trying to get something done a lot of times it's people who are just you know working their regular jobs and they want to make a comic book so they put together a kickstarter and see what they can do i've been backing probably one or two a month for a while. And it's kind of fun because it gives you this chance to, you know, just sample some new stuff, help some folks who are new into the industry. There's two ways usually to get them. You can do digital or you can actually pay to have the book shipped to you. I mostly do digital on this. I'm interested in just sort of seeing what these folks are up to and and helping them fund a little bit. If you do want to actually get the physical books, they are often sort of ridiculously expensive so just as a note it seems weird to end up paying 15 or 25 dollars for a, a paper, you know just a floppy comic book so 
I a lot of times will go for the digital edition because I don't necessarily need to collect that. I just want to kind of see what's going on and, and help out a little bit. Because if you're not a big shipper, shipping on comic books is actually pretty expensive. So Yeah, I would imagine so. But it's it's definitely something to check out. Have you done much? You've done an all the Kickstarter stuff on games and things like that and stuff, correct? I I have done. I have uh, participated in a few Kickstarters as as has my my wife. I haven't done anything from a comic book standpoint, but I you know haven't done too much actually on Kickstarter since we started doing the podcast and I started reading comics. But now. Now you've given me an idea on something I could go take a look at. Yep. Some cool stuff out there. All right. That brings us to the stack for this week. Dan, what did we read in preparation for this discussion? We read basically two things. The first one is mostly just sort of a quick uh, a browse of a book called Ultimate Fallout Number 4, which was sort of a part of the Death of Spider-Man storyline in the Ultimate Universe. And then proceeding directly out of that is Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 1 through 12, which is the origin and first real appearances of Miles Morales as the Ultimate Universe Spider-Man. Yes, yes it was. So we get... uh, the first first appearances of of Miles Morales and I I was actually surprised that it wasn't that it was not that long ago actually I was assuming that it was a little bit further back but it it actually was more recent than I had expected So when would you have thought that maybe this would have because the the date we're talking about is 2011 so essentially right. 12 years ago or whatever. When would you have maybe yes. thought that Miles Morales would have came about? I was thinking maybe the uh, early to mid-2000s. It's, it's interesting because in terms of... In terms of a lot of what Marvel's been doing with trying to get sort of younger characters and more diverse characters, Miles Morales really is the first big hit in that he was the one that kind of came out and and sort of took things by storm i think it was him and probably the only other one that really is a big name of the of the ones that came out much earlier than him was x23 who was laura kinney the the sort of all new wolverine came out in 2004 but this was sort of and, and it's ultimate universe so it's a little different but this was one of the first characters that really sort of took off as a, as a legacy character that, that Marvel worked with. And I remembered that ultimate means not the prime yep. earth universe. So I, I immediately knew where I had my bearings right away as to what was going on, at least a little bit more than I had in the previous things where we've talked about ultimate and it, not registering with me that it was a a different universe until after we started talking yep and it's interesting because it's obvious marvel wanted to make sure people did keep that straight because if you'll note the comics we're reading it was ultimate spider-man for number one through three and then ultimate comics spider-man from four on 
So they wanted to make sure that you knew this just wasn't an ultimate, like, Spider-Man comic, still featuring right. the regular Peter Parker, but it's the ultimate comics universe version of, of Spider-Man. So they actually added another word into the title. But, so some of the stuff we're going to be seeing here, there's some unfortunate developments for Peter Parker that happened before yes. this. None of that, of course, is in the regular universe. He's still out there doing his thing as Spider-Man. But in the Ultimate Universe, the world's very different. All right, let's jump in and let's talk first about the actual first appearance, which is Ultimate Fallout number four. And and the, th the thing with this is, like, I read through the book, and there's more than one story in this book. And so... He's actually appears in the in the latter half of the book, and I kept waiting for him to show up, and then all of a sudden, a new story started, and that's where he was. Yep. And really, all this is, is probably about a three or four page story with him simply having a fight with a sort of Australian supervillain called the Kangaroo. And at the Eight. at the end of it, he defeats the Kangaroo mostly by sort of the guy lifts up a car to throw at him and he punches him while he's got it and the car falls on him and sort of he self-defeats, which is kind of what the kangaroo mm -hmm. probably normally would do. But the interesting thing is that after the fight, there's a lot of people are like, man, that outfit's just in bad taste. What do you, what do you do and do, right. you know? And he then at the very end in the last panel kind of gets away from the crowd and goes up on a building and sits down, kind of relaxes after the fight, takes off his mask, and you see that it's this young 13-year-old black kid who has now taken the place of Spider-Man. And he's like, yeah, maybe this costume is in bad taste, you know? And right. cut. That's the end of it. And they move into Ultimate Spider-Man number one. Yeah, it was it was a very unassuming sort of introduction because you're you're like you didn't get like the inch the origin necessarily. You're just kind of parachuted in, and what we find out from the context, uh, like the context we were missing that we end up getting during Ultimate Comics Spider-Man is this is like his first real battle, post getting his powers, and and so he's. Bill trying to figure this all out but but you don't have any of that context you just have you're just like i said just parachuted into this story it, it it's just basically fighting immediately and the whole thing is fighting and then there's the kind of the reveal at the end when he's away from everybody and and you're just like whoa this is unexpected yep but we do not get a name we do not get no. any kind of backstory or anything else all all you get with ultimate fallout number four is spider-man is dead long live spider-man right that essentially yeah we know that there's a new guy out there coming on to take on the mantle but really nothing else about him now that doesn't stop this from still being considered his first appearance it is a book that's worth a ton of money like it's a 500 hundred dollar comic book or something like this right but Nonetheless, right. it is, as origin stories go, nothing at all. As far as, as first appearances, it's kind of weird because it's not just a tiny cameo, right? He actually no. has lines and we get to see him have a fight and we get to see him as Spider-Man. But 
we really don't get to start understanding what's going on at all. It is truly a teaser, is what we get in this book. Is there really anything else to discuss, or should we move on into the more meat of our discussion here, which is Ultimate Comic Spider-Man? I think the only real thing to note is that the Ultimate Spider-Man in here is written by and drawn by the same people that are going to be doing the actual book. So it's Brian Michael Bendis, it's Sarah Pacelli, colorist is Justin Ponsor. They basically just took that team and they did this tiny little beginning. But that means that in actual fact, you know, the, the first Spider-Man writer is Brian Bendis. The first Spider-Man or Ultimate Spider-Man artist is Sarah Pacelli. They are the ones that really sort of create and debut the character. And then they're going to be the ones that carry on into the regular series. So because of the way this was created, each of the stories in Ultimate Followed is done by a different team. And the Spider-Man story is done by the Spider-Man team. That would explain the real, like, the continuity between both kind of the, the way the story is being told as well as the look of the story in the first set of books in Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. Because it, it felt like it was very much, even though we get kind of a, a little bit of a rewind and find out how Miles Morales, who Miles Morales is and how he got his powers and then all the way up and through that fight with the kangaroo. Again, it looked and, and, and felt like the same storytellers and looked like the same artists. So, because it was. No, that is correct. Absolutely correct. So the, uh, there's a nice, interesting beginning. The end of it says, Hey, be on the lookout for Spider-Man number one. And then we head right into that. And so starting in 2011, we have a new series written by Brian Michael Bendis, initially drawn by Sarah Pacelli, although the books that we're going to be reading, these first 12, have Pacelli on art, another Italian, David Messina, who was actually one of the people who got Sarah Pacelli into drawing comic books away from other uh, graphic arts and, and illustration and animation stuff. Chris Samney, who's done some other stuff uh, we've seen in the reading books before, and then David Marquez, who... Marquez actually has a style very close to Pacelli and, and Messina that those those looked very similar. Samney, I think you noticed, gives a kind of a different look there for, for a few books in the middle. Colored by Justin yes. Ponsor, lettered by Corey Petit. So, this is basically two different stories. So, I think maybe we'll do just a recap of the first five issues and then talk a little bit about that and then go into the second series, which is... A story I really like that uh, that kind of really shows you a lot about who Miles Morales is and what's going on. So, beginning out at the Spider-Man number one, we got Miles Morales as sort of this normal kid. He's worried about getting into a good school, uh, trying to avoid embarrassment, dealing with family drama. At a certain point, we see that his uncle unknowingly brings home an irradiated spider after he's robbed Osborne Labs, he's there to get something else. The spider crawls into his bag. He brings it back home. Spider gets out, actually bites uh, Miles while he's visiting his uncle. And then 
After this happens, he gains spider powers that include things like wall crawling, super strength, electric stings, and invisibility. So he is not only Spider-Man, but he's kind of a powered-up Spider-Man in some ways, because he's got some things that Peter Parker did not have. Soon after this, the Peter Parker of the Ultimate Universe actually dies in a battle, and Miles ends up taking up his mantle. He gets a costume, not a very good one at first, basically a Halloween costume at first, and he starts yeah. out by taking on some of these C-list villains, kind of like the Kangaroo and some of these other guys. He's not particularly successful at this, but he also doesn't actually lose and get himself killed. People, though, are not very pleased that he's impersonating their fallen hero when he gets much the same reception in his first couple battles in these books that he did in Ultimate Fallout, where people are just like, man, dude, too soon. It's definitely too soon. Even so, with the hapless friend Genki and the begrudging blessing of Nick Fury and Spider-Woman, who is Jessica Drew in this universe, uh, he begins to improve and even eventually helps him to defeat Electro, kind of proving that at least he might have what it takes to be a hero. Uh, and with that blessing from Nick Fury comes a new costume. Significant upgrade in the costume department, yes. Yes, Absolutely. yes it is. Uh, this was this was actually a a great origin slash introduction. I I think that like taking the, and rewinding back a little bit and getting to see free spider bite Miles Morales and what was going on and then seeing that happen and seeing him pass out and kind of the family drama and then him kind of starting to I identify what his powers are and and how he's kind of coming to grips with them i think was was really interesting and really fun to see and so there's some some really cool panels throughout these books of him just kind of on the fly figuring things out mm -hmm. and 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 it and it's really fun to fun to watch and i i i think it has sort of that same thing that we saw with with the original Peter Parker Spider-Man as well. It's like you can identify with this kid and then he's given superpowers and wants to, wants to do good. And it, it's like something tragic doesn't happen to Miles Morales to get him to, to start trying to do good. He just wants to try and do good. Whereas it took Peter Parker the the uh, tragedy of Uncle Ben in order for him to start realizing that with great power comes great responsibility. Yep. And I do like, though, that at the beginning, really, he gets the powers and he starts to go around and, and do a few things, maybe take on some bad guys a little bit. But it really is when Spider-Man dies, when Peter Parker dies, that that sort yeah. of catalyzes for him the idea that maybe he needs to be the one to take this over because his friend is basically like, you've got all the same powers. You could be Spider-Man, you know? And so he goes, and he's even there at the actual death of, of Peter Parker. And then he goes to the funeral as well. And Gwen, Gwen Stacy even talks to him and almost like gives him that, that calling where she's, you know, gives him the great power comes great responsibility line almost passing it on to that next generation. So right. at which point 
I also like the fact that the first few books of Ultimate Spider-Man are not only about learning about Miles Morales and his family and his friends, but it's seeing a little bit of Aunt May and Gwen Stacy dealing with sort of the loss of Peter Parker as well. So we do see a bit of that, and we're going to continue to see some of that as we move towards the, the later books here. So it's really an interesting start. I will, I will say don't think too hard about this fight with Electro, though, because that did seem a little, I don't know, suspect. But, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know, like, if everybody was on their lunch break or something while while Miles and Nick were talking, but the fact that it, it was Miles that basically kind of was the only one really to do anything against Electro to stop him from from escaping uh, the headquarters where 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 Nick Fury and and the gang were, and he was being held and being talked to, yep. uh, was was kind of something. Yeah, that was a little that was a little weird. But overall, I like the fact that you see also in that, in that discussion how protective a lot of these heroes are of the legacy of, of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Where they're like, kid, yeah. you, you yeah. can't just put on this mask. You know, this is, right. this is, not, this is not cool. And, but they realize that he's got the power. They realize that he actually does kind of have the heart and maybe this is somebody who very much is similar to Peter Parker in a lot of ways. And so, you know, Spider-Woman then kind of like you mentioned, she brings him the costume and it's kind of like, okay, I'm giving you this. If you're going to do this, do it right. But we're going to be watching you, you know? So. Yeah. So anyways, that's the first five books. It's kind of the arc where we begin to see this. One character I wanted to ask you about. Do you recognize Genki at all? I mean... What what happened What he, happened to him in, like, the movies? He went over to Peter Parker's... He got stolen. He's Peter Parker's friend. Absolutely stolen. Yeah. Like, Legos and all. He just got completely <laughs> ripped off by Tom Holland's Spider-Man uh -huh. universe to go over and become his man in the chair, right? And I find right. that really kind of crazy that what was the name of that kid? Is it what's is he is he Genki there? It's Ned, isn't it? It's yeah. Ned. So yeah, I mean when you look at Ned in any of the like modern Spider-Man films like Homecoming or or you know any of those it 100% is Genki, right? Which yeah. is weird because that sort of means that, you know, as the Spider-Verse goes along, they've changed it a little bit there. We don't see as much of him. Uh, really don't see hardly anything at all because in the, in the live action and animated universe, that character now has just sort of been swapped out. And essentially Gwen Stacy kind of takes over as the you know, the, the friend and confidant and, and the like. So I find, I found that interesting. You just ripped him off directly. I, I hadn't even thought about that until you say it now, but yeah, that is definitely goes, 
goes by a different name, but he's basically that character. It's a hundred percent that character. Yeah, and and it makes sense because he's a great character. You know, for yes. for Peter yes. Parker to have that other kid who knows who he is and has that excitement about being a part of that world is a huge advantage in terms of storytelling. So right, yeah, absolutely. So, but so that's our first five. So we're going to actually now move into the next set of books. This is more about his family. So his mom and dad and his relationship to them, as well as his uncle Aaron, who's going to be a big part of it. And in fact, is what the whole arc is named after because it's about the Prowler and he is the Prowler. So as would happen in comic books, Spider-Man's uncle is actually a supervillain, right? And his dad <laughs> oh, is a guy. Yep. Just uh, almost has to be. And his dad is a guy who hates superheroes or superpowered individuals mutants right. or otherwise and so as we move through it you're going to see that he is trying to figure out he doesn't want to lie to his parents but he's also afraid to tell his parents because he kind of knows how his dad might react to this so yeah in any case starting up in issue number six we get this second arc called the prowler it follows miles uh, uncle aaron davis who flees down to mexico essentially they go to visit him and it his apartment's completely cleaned out and he's gone. While he's down there, he gets in trouble with the law, almost gets away some using some tinkerer tech, but then eventually is taken down, ends up in jail, eventually finds his way back to New York and goes to face the tinkerer because he's angry that the gadgets that he'd gotten from him weren't cool enough to, to work to actually keep him from going to jail. Uh -huh. While he's talking to him, he finds out about the new Spider-Man and makes the connection that this is actually his nephew. And then he kills the Tinkerer because he doesn't want that information going to anybody else. And right. after he's done this, he then goes back, starts making his, his various plots. But he's been followed by a gangster called the, the Scorpion, who Davis still owes money to. Our new Spider-Man ends up getting caught sort of by the police while taking out a, a silly villain called the ringer and <laughs> yes, then goes goes silly. off he is a although there's been a number of of uh characters like that over the years he then goes to meet his uncle who is actually relatively scared after getting to barely survive in a fight with the scorpion his uncle convinces miles to help him take on the scorpion by saying hey he's a bad guy i can help you defeat him Miles pretty much knows that this is not a selfless thing he's doing, but he goes along with it. And partly he goes along with it because his uncle is threatening to tell his dad who he is if he doesn't aid him. And his, and his uncle also knows that his dad is not going to take this well. The fight works out pretty well because they actually defeat the Scorpion and uh, Spider-Man is able to essentially get him delivered to the police and then takes off. But after this, Davis then wants to continue their association with Spider-Man as his sort of enforcer as he attempts to take over the city or continue his crime spree. Eventually, the two of them end up fighting. And during that fight, the Prowler's own equipment explodes and kills him. So, yet another dead uncle. So, And that's the end of this arc. And then it moves on into another one. Yes. Uh, quite the kind of 
there was a lot of buildup and suspense, and then it just it it came to a rather rapid conclusion there uh, with the you you felt like they were going to end up fighting. I think throughout like all of these books, and then they do, and there's a back and forth and uh, a little bit, but then yeah, his basically he's still got some of that tinker gadgetry. Uh, on his arm and and it explodes and and I guess I didn't realize that it had killed him but um, I guess that makes sense if your if your arm has something that explodes on it uh, yeah. you're probably not going to be doing too well afterwards and and you say this is sudden but in actual fact he's made it twelve issues farther than any Uncle Ben has ever made it <laughs> sure. during any Spider-Man incarnation right so this is yes. a, he's he's lived another year than than his standard right but and i think that you know when you when you watch the spider-verse books they kind of pick up on this but it's that idea that part of that foundational story for peter parker is the death of his uncle and now part of the foundational story for miles morales also involves the death of his uncle and it's different right but still, that's going to be an important sort of story point moving forward for both of those characters. And with Miles, it's going to be partly the guilt that he was there and he was the one that sort of messed up the tech that ended up exploding. Nah. So what did you think of this story? I think I think this was actually a really really well done story. I was surprised actually that Aaron Davis kind of picked up so quickly on the fact that the new Spider-Man was his his nephew and then you can see sort of the the the, the gears turning on how he can use this to his advantage and it matches kind of that there there's a uh, exchange between Miles and his father in the first set of books where he talks about the fact that, you know, he and Aaron had done some stuff in the past, you know, stealing things and, and doing some bad things and yep. that, you know, he's turned his life in a different direction, but that the uncle really hasn't. And you see exactly the way that, you know, how, how this would be, how this would play out because he, he then uses his dad as leverage you know, potentially telling him that, you know, what what it has happened to Miles and 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 using the fact that he knows that that could go poorly to yep. get him to do things he doesn't want to do. And it's it, it kind of just kind of ratchets up that tension. And you see, like in Miles and the way he's acting and trying to go and do things that it's just it's it's a difficult situation. And I thought it, I thought the storytelling there and the accompanying art did a really good job of, of of sharing that story with us. Yep. It also does show, though, I think, that at no point in this version of the story do we really ever see Miles as anything but a good kid. I don't know right. that... Because as we look at the especially the second Spider-Verse, but it's, it's sort of called, even in the first one, a bit... I think there's this idea that Miles Morales could have gone bad, that he was hanging around with his uncle and maybe was on right. a bad path, even even against kind of what his parents were, were trying for him. 
there's none of that really in this book. He is just a, a no. good kid from the very beginning. He's somebody who wants to do the right thing. And he really is just very intuitively somebody who's like, hey, I've got the ability to help folks. I should help folks. And he even says that to Fury and some of those guys. He's like, I've got, I've got powers. Why, why wouldn't I help people? Yeah, he also respects his family too. Like he 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 loves his family, he respects his family. He, like he doesn't know initially why his parents are kind of don't want him around his uncle. And even once he knows what's mm-hmm. going on with his uncle, he still goes and sees him and and is interacting with him and he doesn't want to just cut him off. And you know, obviously he the uncle is using leverage to try and keep him in and do things for him. But, but it's still, he's, he's a good kid that wants to do right by not only the world at large, but his immediate family. And his uncle is just a bad guy. I think that's another thing that we'll find is in the, in the movies, like when, when the prowler dies in the, in the, in uh, spider verse, it's kind of one of those where he's, He's not going to kill the kid and he's been trying to sort of defend Miles and that sort of stuff. There's nothing good about this brawler. He he attacks his own nephew. He's trying to blackmail his own nephew. He's a murderer. This is just a bad dude. And the fact that Miles is able to see that and just kind of goes goes out there and, and takes him on is very different from sort of some of the, the vibe we get in the Spider-Verse. Um, he's a, he is just, Aaron Davis is just a bad guy. The only, the only thing worse than him though, is the scorpion. The scorpion is, you know, he talks about him being worse and he definitely does seem like he's worse. Uh, you know, kind of a, a crime boss, crime, crime boss from Mexico and basically wants to set up shop in New York. And that's, you know, in addition to, you know, following Aaron Davis back and wanting money from Aaron Davis, he, he wants to do all this other stuff in New York now and is trying to take over for like the local mafia in, uh, in New York. Uh, Probably good that he's off the streets by the time by the time this set of books is done. Yep. So I I think that what they did there though, they they got all these characters, many of which, you know, are they're villains that are not quite starter villains. They're very dangerous. But none of these are Doctor Doom type threats, right? They're more no just strong guys who are, are more mob bosses or standard criminal types. A lot of these probably, you know, if it was regular Spider-Man, they wouldn't be anywhere in his league. But for a kid that's just starting out, who's 13, 14 years old, that's pretty impressive to be able to take down the Scorpion, right? So we can start to see he's got some significant power. But I like the fact that they sort of let him, for the most part, other than like with Electro, where really you almost wonder if the if if Electra wasn't just released so that they could see what the kid could do in controlled conditions. They're like, let's let's let this one out of the cage. We'll all be here in case it goes badly. But he can just sort of, you know, we'll we'll see how he does against this guy. So Right. But yeah, that was 
and and overall this story i think was cool because it let you go through see that development and also see him miles actually navigate that question of i want to tell my parents but i don't know what they're going to react he didn't want to deal with having you know his uncle tell them so he had to find out some way to deal with this and eventually went and confronted him and things went poorly so here we go it ends with a uh, with a dead uncle as uh, as spider-man stories do so so when we read through these one thing that i think is interesting is they really do sort of show a very multicultural multi-ethnic multi-racial new york and also yeah the fact that you you get characters from all over the place you've got still crossover from some of the old spider-man it is a really nice sort of changing of the guard and seems to have been handled really well but also was a great attempt to sort of open up new audiences to to spider-man one of the weird things about it is that the writer is brian michael bendis well, i don't know if you've seen him but he is one of the whitest people that you will ever find right he is he is yeah. he is very white and the fact that i think it it does become a little weird in a modern context is created by a team entirely of of white folks and i think that these days there probably would be a change made to that it seemed to work pretty well but also you'll note there really is no edge to this it is it doesn't deal with race or anything like that really at all in these first 12 books no there's really no part of the story where miles morales couldn't be a white kid and i do think that's a little weird that yeah i mean even the there's like this bullying sequence where he's kind of getting bullied by some 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 bigger white kids but there's just it's it's very generic and there's not 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 to suggest that they should have but it like from a realism standpoint i you know you would expect potentially some it was more just because they were jerks rather than anything else it was just a yeah. You know, he's the small kid, uh, the you know, that's getting picked on. And so I do think that it was handled in some ways really well because that was just a simple introduction and Bendis did a good job on that. But it did lack some of the edge that I think maybe it could have had. Now, obviously, you don't want to say there was anything that they should have done differently because this character took off like crazy and has now become an incredibly right. important part of the, of the universe. But I did always find that a little bit weird that, uh, especially in some of these older introductions, they didn't worry much about that. You know, now as we get into like the introduction of Ms. Marvel, a few late years later, and some of these sorts of things, if they're introducing or focusing on a Muslim character. They'll bring in somebody to write that or to work on that, that is from that community. Same thing with some of the gay characters they brought in and stuff like that. Um, Pony 11 was still early in the game for some of that sort of stuff. So 
they they hadn't quite gotten that memo yet. Yeah. So that said, Brian Michael Bendis has always written really good Spider-Man dialogue, like the weird snappy patter, and he did that in this one as well. So that's the other thing is Spider-Man sounds a lot like Spider-Man in this. Even at even starting out, he had his snappy banter down from the beginning. So that was kind of nice. All right. Yeah, it lends ex it, it lends extra credence to the fact that like a lot of people like his enemies that he's going up against think it's the same mm -hmm. same character that they've always gone up against yep. even though it's you know it's a new spider-man absolutely so so i guess that's did you have anything else you wanted to talk about on these or no i i think we'll we'll cover a couple things in the in the final questions okay. i there was there were there was some artwork I really liked this week and and in fact I'll I'll just jump in and I guess say that uh Chris Samney and the like starting on book 6 when we see him go down to Mexico and and the interactions with with the scorpion I loved that art kind mm -hmm. of the second half of the books uh it reminded me a little bit of Chris Bacallo and the Doctor Strange from a few weeks ago that we looked at same sort of gritty sort of look uh, specifically with Mexico city early on, but even once they get back to New York and uh, I think overall, just all the art across, across the, the books did a really good job of conveying the, you know, how cool these powers are, but also in that, miles is still learning how to use these powers and and like the end of book four when you see spider woman standing over miles saying like who are you and then miles with his suit at the end of book five there were some some really really well done large panels uh throughout the this stuff as well and i even liked in the later books in like nine uh like 10 and 11 mm -hmm. where you know he's He's uh, the to be continued is kind of uh, mixed in with like panel shots of like uh, text messages from Aaron Davis or, you know, I want to meet this new Spider-Man from Aunt May. Uh, really well, well done. And, and, and really kind of from an impact standpoint, really, really hit me quite well. Yep. Absolutely. Now that with, with, Liking Samney, I actually think it would be interesting too. You know, you've also talked about liking Daredevil. Mark Wade and Samney did a really, really fun run on Daredevil a few years ago. That would be something that you'd probably really enjoy. So he's a he's a very, very talented artist. But all of these artists were. So I'm I'm somewhat intrigued. Yes. I mean but Pacelli, I think, is my favorite artist of the week. She's fantastic in terms of delineation and the like the Samney the Samney issues were a ton of fun and then at the end you know, there there really was not a bad comic in here but no there's no there wasn't it was just though that specific look of about three or four books mm -hmm. there that uh, that really kind of just stuck with me I like it it, it was 
there was there was enough of a change from book five to book six that I noticed a change, yep. and I liked that change. And while while all the art I think was really good, it was that kind of striking difference between between those two that really jumped out to me. That is awesome. Yeah, that was a it was a it was a fun fun week of of really good art and really good story. So so. Basically, you said your favorite story of the week would be the the last half of this. Um, what what was it you think yeah. that made you particularly like these stories? So, I mean, we've talked about Brian Michael Bendis quite a bit, and I, I think that I am in the camp that I like Brian Michael Bendis as as a writer. I think he writes a really mm-hmm. A snappy, quick story, but also a story that makes sense. And it, you know, there's there's not a lot of wasted, like, wording. There's not a lot of wasted panels doing just showing nothing, really. There was, it was just, everything had a purpose. And I liked the fact that you could really, really tell just how conflicted miles was with his uncle and what his uncle was asking him to do. And it, and it, and it was one of those things where I could just feel myself kind of cringe and feel kind of bad for miles and everything that he was going through. And so the kind of the, the fact that it just pulled this empathy out of me because of, of what I'm seeing and reading on the page, I think is just very, very well done. Very cool. Yep. That makes sense. I, I get that. that was, it was well done. And then the worst part of the week, last thing, what are you thinking? I, so, so two things. One, I don't like seeing Peter Parker die. I just mm-hmm. seeing, seeing that whole sequence seeing you know the end of of one book where they're gathered in the gymnasium and you know there's something bad has happened to spider-man and then miles goes out and looks and you kind of roll back time just a little bit and he ends up getting there right after after peter parker dies and he's being held by gwen stacy and it's it's heartbreaking to look at and i no, I don't, I don't. I don't want to see that in my comics. I'm sorry. Even if it is a growth moment for the main character. Oh man. The other thing is, for the first time in a little while, I actually read some panels in in the incorrect order. There were there were a couple pages, two page spreads where they had kind of big images with smaller panels over top of them, and I was drawn kind of across the page and I was supposed to have read the page down and then over. And, and so I read things in the incorrect order and it's been a while since I've had that happen before, but it is, I always, it, it always, I always feel bad when I have to basically start over on the page and start again because I've read things in the wrong. I had the same thing happen. The, the panel designs were, bad in that it looked like the pages were bleeding across from left to right and all of the panels were the same height on one page as on the next one so there was no good cue 
to tell you that when you got to the end of the left page, you were supposed to go down and hit the next row on that page, or whether you were going to just yes. keep going across. And there'd been enough other ones in these books where Bendis does encourage the moving across. Go all the way across. That there yeah. was precedent for it to go either way. And so it was confusing. And I also had myself taken out of the story occasionally where I'm like, where do I go now? Or I went the wrong way and the story didn't make sense. Yeah. Then I had to double yeah. double back and go, go down the page. Yep. Now you were not alone. That yeah, was, there, that was not was... your fault, Dwayne. That was their fault. <laughs> yeah, there there was like an an exchange between uh, Miles and Gangi that I read in an incorrect order because I didn't mm -hmm. go down before going across, and and so it's just it. Ultimately, it's not a huge deal, but at the same time, it's like I'm I'm really invested in this book and in this story, and reading things out of order and having them not make a ton of sense. Uh, just sort of sucks. Yep. <laughs> yes. It is frustrating. It does happen every once in a while, though. All right. That is going to do it for us for this week. Uh, before we get out of here, Dan, what are we what are we going to be talking about next week? Actually, first off, I have two things that I've heard from various folks this week. First off, okay, you sound better which hopefully other people are finding. We, we fixed some sound Good. issues, hopefully with your microphone. So there'd been some times yeah. where it sounded like you were kind of fading out. And hopefully that's taken care of. It sounds like the, the early returns were good on that. And then secondly, evidently not everyone agrees with me that John Candy or John Goodman being mostly just the same is, uh, is correct. I, <laughs> I, I had some John Candy fans angry at there, me. So yeah, there is. I, I no offense to John Goodman, but he is no, no John I would, Candy. I would there agree is, with that. It is. Yeah, I, I yes. simply John John Goodman is good in his own right, but there is a it, there is a different level for John Candy. I, I was simply trying to you know sweep my mistake under the rug and manage to somehow insult. <laughs> The legendary John Candy, and I did not mean to do that. So, there we go. Proceed. All right. So, Dan, where, where, what are we actually going to be talking about on next week's podcast? So, here's the thing. Now that we've read a little bit of Miles Morales, we're going to go out and talk about the superb recent movie starring Miles Morales. And, of course... Uh, the the alternate universe Gwen Stacy. So we're going to talk about Across the Spider-Verse from 2023, get a little bit of a chance to to visit on that movie and see how things are the same, how things are a little bit different in the Spider-Verse than they are in the Ultimate Universe. Right. I've already seen it once. I know you've seen it once. This is going to be a great opportunity for me to go back to the theater to, to see this film because... I didn't know about this early on, but apparently there are different versions of the film in theaters. There are different versions, evidently. There are some of them where he's riding the spider horse, and there's some where he's not riding the spider horse, and yeah. So We'll, we'll I, talk I, about some of that next week, but I, yeah. I was shocked when I came across an article that talked about that. Yeah, I've seen it a couple times already, 
I have, like I said, I'm threatening to go to it every week until it leaves theaters. That's my plan. So we'll, we'll see it again and see how things go. So. All right. Thank you all for joining us for this week. It's that's going to wrap it up for us. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing on your podcast player of choice. That way you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. If you have some thoughts on the show or uh, the Spider-Verse movie or Miles Morales and the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man that we looked at this week, please let us know. You can send us comments via email. That address is comments at comicsovertime.com. Or you can reach out to us via social media on Twitter. We are at comicsovertime over there. Dan, I love the fact that I now have been introduced to Miles Morales in the comics and gotten to see some of his backstory and his family and, and all of that. And I'm very much looking forward to going and seeing across the Spider-Verse again and, and get even more out of it uh, on another viewing. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. We will see you next week and we'll get to it. Take care, everybody. See you soon.